Hello, and welcome to Ancient Words, the Bible teaching podcast from Jerry Crow Ministries. My name is Jerry Crow, and I will be your teacher as we study the Word of God together. And now, today's lesson. Today we're going to look at the next part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about the Law and the Prophets, which is just a common way to refer to what we know as the Old Testament of the Bible. Of course, at the time, all they had was the Old Testament, but they didn't call it the Old Testament. To the people Jesus was talking to in this discourse, they would have easily known exactly what he meant when he says the Law or the Prophets. Even if some of us in our modern context have difficulty with that description. Suffice to say, he is simply referring to what we know as the Old Testament. By way of a quick review, we have already looked at what is known as the Beatitudes. And we have seen how this is a model not only of Christian behavior, but also of the Christian life from belief to death. We have also looked at what it means for us to be salt and light in the earth, how salt was used in the ancient world in so many different ways, and how light is used to drive away darkness, which is what we should be doing in our daily lives as our light shines in the darkness of the world around us. Today we are going to look at the next section, which is packed full of exciting information and so many wonderful implications for our lives. So if you are able to turn in your Bible to our scripture, we will be reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. While you are turning to that scripture, I'm going to pray for us. Father God, open our ears to hear your word. Open our hearts to understand your word. And open our mouths to speak your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask this. Amen. Alright, so Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 says this. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In today's study, we are going to look at three things in this passage of Scripture. First, we are going to look at and answer the question, what is the law? Second, we are going to look at how Jesus interacted with the law. And finally, we are going to look at how we as believers are to respond to the law. So as I said, we want to look at and hopefully answer the question, what is the law that Jesus is talking about in these Scriptures? Well, when we go back into the first books of the Bible, particularly we want to look at Exodus through Deuteronomy, we see the giving of the law from God through Moses to the people of Israel. The most important thing to remember when we are dealing with the law as given in the Bible is that it was given to the people of Israel 
to set them apart from the nations around them. There were certain dietary restrictions given in the law. There were directions on how they should dress. There were instructions on how to treat each other as well as foreigners. And there were even rules laid out on how they should worship God. All of these things were, to, were set forward to set them apart from the other nations they were living near. For one, so that they would know each other, and also so the other nations would know who belonged to the nation of Israel. So, what was in the law? Well, to sum it up in simple terms, there were three aspects of the law. First, there was the ceremonial law. In the ceremonial law, God laid out exactly how the people of Israel were to worship him. He told them what sacrifices to be made, by whom, and when they should be made. Under the ceremonial law was also where God laid out how to make and handle the instruments they would use in their worship of him. Items such as the Ark of the Covenant, the brazen altar, the golden lampstand, things such as that. He also told them how to make the tabernacle so they would have a location to come to in order to make those sacrifices and also gave instructions on how to make the clothes the priest and the high priest were to wear and even how to sanctify the priest and the high priest. It is also in the ceremonial law that God gives to Moses and the people the instructions on how to celebrate the feast each year Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, the Sabbath, and all the other feasts are all laid out in the law. Secondly, there was the civil law. The civil law was given to the people of Israel to show them how they should govern themselves and how they should interact with other nations on a national level where the ceremonial law gave instructions on how to interact on a spiritual level, the civil law was given in, to instruct on interacting with others on a national level. This was also where God gave the people of Israel instruction on how to govern themselves. Throughout the Old Testament, we see how the people of Israel fought with God on how they thought they should be governed. First, they were to be governed directly by God through Moses and then Joshua. This worked out okay for a while until they started to fall away into sin. Secondly, we see that God appointed certain people when it was right for him to do so, to be judges over the people of Israel, to deliver them out of their affliction, which was often caused by their own sinful actions, and back into right standing with God. Often throughout the time of the judges, the Bible says things such as the people did what was right in their own eyes, and this was never the way God wanted them to be led as a nation. Third, we come to see that the people of Israel are tired of being so different from the rest of the world around them that they start begging God for a king to rule over them, just like the other nations. Of course, God gave them their king. 
and it did not exactly turn out the way they hoped it would, with Saul going slightly mad and hunting down and attempting to kill the man God appointed king to succeed him, that man of course being David. But Saul did evil in the sight of God, many times. Then again, so did David. But David repented, where Saul never did. And this brings us to the third aspect of the law, which is the moral law. The moral law is the basis of the civil law. The moral law is summed up in what we know as the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Out of these verses, we see how the people of Israel were instructed to interact, not only in their relationship with God, but also when it comes to other people. It was the moral law that gave the people of Israel direction in how to interact with God in the first four commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It was also in the moral law that God gave his people direction and how to interact not only with each other, but also with all people. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet those things which belong to your neighbor. These are given so that the people of Israel would know how they should interact with everyone else around them both with other Israelites and with foreigners in a way that would honor God and each other. Now remember when I said that the moral law was the basis for the civil law. You see, under the civil law, when a person violated a part of the moral law, let's take the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, for instance. If a person committed murder under the civil law, they were to be taken outside the city and put to death. A violation of part of the moral law brought about the judgment that was set forth in the civil law. This brings us to the second topic for today, specifically Jesus and his interactions with the law and any fulfillment of the law that he brought about. Remember that Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy well, how would Jesus have been able to fulfill the laws we have laid it out previously? Well, let's look at it in three parts. First, Jesus and the ceremonial law. As Jesus was growing up, he would have participated in the sacrificial system, just like all the other Jewish people around. He would have learned about each sacrifice that was offered, the daily sacrifices, the sacrifices at the feast. He would have learned what each of the feasts represented. He would have honored the sacrificial system as laid out by God for the Jewish people. Then when he died at Passover and became the ultimate sacrifice for sin, he fulfilled all those sacrifices. See, that's what Paul means when he says that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied or fulfilled the requirement for our sins. And sacrifices were no longer necessary after the death of Jesus. 
If you remember when Jesus died, the veil in the temple, the one separating the holy place from the holy of holies, was torn from top to bottom. This was significant in two main ways. One, it meant that no man could have done this. It must have been done supernaturally. And two, it meant that the separation between God and man was no longer present. And man could come into the presence of God without making the sacrifices or waiting for the appropriate time the next year. This means that when Jesus died, the final sacrifice was made. God now allows all those who believe in Jesus to come into his presence without coming through a veil or through a priest or through a sacrifice. Also, when we fast forward about 40 years after Jesus, when the city of Jerusalem was attacked by Roman soldiers in 70 AD and the temple was destroyed, it became impossible to make sacrifices. You see, even after Jesus, the, still, the Jews were still making sacrifices as if the ceremonial law were still in effect, but Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law with his death. What about the civil law? How did Jesus interact with or possibly fulfill the civil law? Well, Jesus was born under the civil law of Israel. He was raised under the civil law of Israel, and he never once broke the civil law of Israel. So in that case, he was able to fulfill it in his life to perfect obedience. And the same thing goes for the moral law. We know from our study that the moral law is the basis for the civil law. So if Jesus was able to live in perfect obedience to the civil law, then he must have been able to live in perfect obedience to the moral law. In fact, we know that Jesus was tempted by Satan, according to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. And we know that he overcame those temptations without sinning. We also know, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet he never sinned. So Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law in his death on the cross, and he fulfilled the civil and moral laws in his life of perfect obedience to those laws. We could easily deduce from this that Jesus, during his earthly life, death, burial, and resurrection, fulfilled all points of the law, just as he said he was here to do in our scripture reading from today's study. And since we see that Jesus has fulfilled all aspects of the law, how should we respond to and interact with the law today? And are there any aspects of the law that are still active today? Well, for the sake of consistency, let's start with the ceremonial law. See, the ceremonial law was completely fulfilled in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And as such, there is no part of the ceremonial law which is binding on us today as part of our salvation or our sanctification. However, I have known many people who have been blessed to take part in observances of some feast, 
Sabbath and other parts of the ceremonial law. That being said, the moment a person adds any of these things to the grace of God for their salvation, they become as bad as, if not worse than, the Judaizers of Galatians who were leading people astray from the true gospel. Let me put it this way. I know many people who are what they call Torah-observant Christians, and I respect that. However, it is not the observance of the Torah that saves or sanctifies anyone. It is Christ. If it were the observance of the Torah, then, as Paul said, Christ died in vain. In fact, Paul said, if anyone adds anything to the gospel, let him be accursed. Observing the Old Testament ceremonial law will not get you into heaven because it has been fulfilled in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, what about the civil law? Well, if we look at the civil law and compare it to the many laws which are on the books in countries around the world today, especially the last five of the Ten Commandments, we see a lot of similarity and a little difference. The similarity is that many of the laws that Israel had are found in many countries in the world. The difference in many cases is the punishment for breaking those laws. Most countries around the world do not impose the death penalty for committing adultery. They allow the parties to divorce, and that is usually the end of the matter. So while the civil law is not in full effect today, it is still around in a somewhat diminished form. Therefore, we can say that for the most part, the civil law is fulfilled and has no effect on us today. Since it was primarily created for Israel, and the government of Israel that it was created for was destroyed in 70 A.D., we can say that the civil law has no lasting, lingering overtones today other than its influence on the laws of other countries throughout the world. This brings us finally to the moral law. Does the moral law have any influence on us today? Well, I should certainly hope so. Otherwise, we are all just a bunch of loose cannons running around the world making up our own rules as we go along. You see, it is the moral law that keeps us on the path toward a holy life before God. While Jesus did fulfill the moral law in his life, he did so, in his, he did so as an example to us and how we should be able to do the same thing through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Will we sin? Obviously, the answer is yes. Should we repent when we sin and strive to do better? Again, the answer is yes. Resoundingly, yes. You see, understanding that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, but also working with the help of the Holy Spirit to keep the moral law, we will be able to fulfill verse 16 that we looked at last time. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
those good works Jesus talked about were keeping the commandments of the moral law. So what should we do with the law today? Well, as we understand that the ceremonial law has been fulfilled in Christ, the civil law may be the basis for many governments around the world, but it still has been fulfilled in Christ. And that the moral law has been fulfilled in Christ and is an example to us in how to keep it, we should strive to be better citizens of the world by being more like Christ every day. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is your duty to follow him, even in our crazy world today. By following him, you will be more righteous than the scribes and Pharisees who trusted in their own righteousness to get them into heaven. Now, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, it is my duty today to tell you that it is very easy to come to him. All you have to do is repent. That means to change your mind and then turn away from your sinful life. The Bible says we are all sinners and we are all on our way to hell. But Jesus came to save us and call us to himself. If you recognize that you are a sinner and have not turned from your sin, all you have to do is pray to him today and he will hear you and save you. You pray however you see fit. I'm not one of those kind of ministers who tells you Repeat a prayer and you will be saved. I think that prayer needs to come from your heart. But I want to pray for us all and close this study today. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us your word and allowed us to be able to come together to study it here today. We thank you that Jesus came and gave himself for us that the law might be fulfilled. Show us by your spirit how to live according to your moral law so that we might be better people, showing your love to everyone we meet. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, I want to say thank you for listening or downloading this podcast. If you were blessed by today's study, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen. This will help us grow and reach more people. Also, if you would like more information about our ministry, go to www.jerrycrowministries.com. Here you can check out our blog and other resources. And if you are able, we would appreciate any financial offering you are able to make to the ministry on our donate page. You can give securely through PayPal and all money received will go directly to the ministry. Also, please join us in praying for this ministry and the people who listen to this podcast. We have listeners all over the world and it is only by the grace of God and the prayers of people like you we are able to reach across so many national borders. Thank you all and may God bless you richly in the mercies of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Ancient Words, the Bible teaching podcast from Jerry Crow Ministries. 
We hope that you are encouraged by the Word of God. Remember to take a moment and look up today's scriptures and dig into the Word for yourself. For more information about Jerry Crow Ministries, please go to www.jerrycrowministries.com. There you can find information about the ministry, contact information, and catch up on some of our latest writings. Tune in next time for more biblical understanding. May God bless you and keep you in our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit.